Welcome to Beyond the Benediction. This podcast is created for the exploration of the Bible, the examination of the church, and the expectation of the Christian life. We will cover topics that will both challenge and encourage you and help us to live lives dedicated to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's your host, Kevin Toomer. This is Beyond the Benediction. Thank you for joining me once again. So happy to have you. It's always a privilege and an honor to share. I feel like I've kind of been on a little bit of a sabbatical recently, just trying to just get refocused, get my mind recalibrated, spend some time with the Lord. So, But I'm back in the saddle again, as they say, and uh, ready to resume doing the work that I believe the Lord has called me to. And I thank you again so much for listening, for your support. And I pray that these episodes that I've done thus far have blessed you in some area or to some degree. But let's go ahead and dig into this week's episode. After your fall, the forgiveness of God. Um, We all fall short of God's glory. If you have been listening to any of my podcasts for quite some time, you are aware that I've made it clear on numerous occasions that we as human beings are very fallible. We're very flawed and we're fallen. And now are we fallen because of the sinful nature that we've inherited as a result of Adam and Eve? But we still sin on a regular basis. We sin to the degree that sometimes we don't even realize we're sinning because we serve a God that is perfect in every way. And we have no way of ever attaining his perfection. And because we're encased in this body of sin and flesh and all its desires and and cravings, it's inevitable that we are going to fall. The scripture says clearly in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's also a scripture that says that if you say you have no sin, then you're lying, basically. (laughs) Uh, So we all sin and we all fall short. Again, but what happens when we do? Typically, the enemy tries to make us feel like we are absolutely undeserving of God's love. And while, in a sense, that's true, because regardless of how good we try to be, we're never in a position where we deserve or we are, we've earned God's love. We're never being a place of entitlement. But the enemy tries to make us think that somehow we're disqualified because of our behavior, because of our sin, because of something we've said or done. But the good thing about God is, as sinful as we are and as wrong as we can be, he knows how wrong we are, yet his love does not change. Despite the fact that we fall short, he still loves us, and he's a God of not just a second chance, but he's a God of Another chance, like there's always another chance. He always is willing and able to bring us back home, so to speak. And that's the beauty of him. And that's the beauty of being a Christian It's because we have his Holy Spirit living in us, a kind of compass to not only correct us when we're wrong and convict us of our sins, but also it's like a tether that, that ultimately ties us to God and brings us back when we stray, when we are wayward. But the forgiveness of God is so much more resolute and so much better than the forgiveness of man because our forgiveness, if we're really honest, 
is fickle and conditional even if we offer it. Because there are people that you are not speaking to right now because they've wronged you in some area and you have not forgiven them. Or you may be on the other side of that scenario where someone is not speaking to you because you've wronged them and they refuse to forgive you. Now, as much as we would like to hold grudges against people when they've done us wrong, God has every right to hold grudges against you and I for the wrongs we've committed against him. And the wrongs we've committed against him are way more egregious than the wrongs we commit to each other. But yet God still offers his forgiveness. He says clear in the scriptures that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the forgiveness of God is so much better and so much more vast than the fickle, short-sighted forgiveness that we tend to offer to each other. So in this week's episode, we want to talk about the forgiveness of God and why it's so wonderful and why the falls that we inevitably have still don't change the wonderful forgiveness that God offers us. The first thing we need to understand is that when we fall, our falls don't deter God. That God is not in a position where when we fall, he's so repulsed by it and that he's so just ashamed of us that he can't function. (laughs) That what he wants to do for us has somehow been interrupted because we've sinned, because we've fallen. Let me read a scripture. This is a scripture that's very popular, that even people who are not Christians love to use the scripture. But those who are Christians love the scripture, and they use it out of context, if we're really honest. They use it out of context because it speaks of God doing something great for them. And who, who doesn't want to hear a scripture that talks about God blessing you? So here's the scripture, Jeremiah 29. Verse 11, when it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you hope and a future. I mean, that's that's an awesome scripture. I mean, who doesn't want to know that God has a plan for their lives and has plans that are for good and then for a future and a hope? I mean, that's a good advertisement for Christianity. That's a good PR scripture for God. If you had someone that wants to sell the virtues of God and the virtues of maybe becoming a Christian, Jeremiah 29, 11 is a perfect scripture to use. But again, the key to this is context. So let's read verse 10 and then verse 11. And let's see what it says when you read it in conjunction. Now, again, I'm just reading two verses. To really the context, you would have to read the whole book and the whole chapter. But just to give a little bit more of a context of seeing what Jeremiah is talking about, or what God is talking about, rather, in the book of Jeremiah. Let's read verse 10. And I'm going to read verse 10 and then verse 11. And listen to what it says. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you hope and a future. So verse 10, when he says they're going to be in Babylon for seven years, for those who are unfamiliar with the story, that was punishment 
for their disobedience. So when God was saying that he has plans for them, he was not speaking in terms of I'm going to just bless you unequivocally or just outright just a random blessing. He's saying you failed. You had fallen short. They had strayed from God's power, from his presence. They started worshiping other gods. They disobeyed God. So as a result of their disobedience, they were taken over and they were going to be in Babylon for 70 years. So God is saying after the fall, despite the fact that the nation of Israel fell, he says, they did not deter my plans for you, that I still have plans for you. But the scripture came on the heels of them being excoriated and punished for their sins. And I think that's something we need to talk about a little bit more. And I mentioned this in the previous episode I did on the wrath of God, that even though God loves us and even though our falls are not necessarily final when it comes to our love from God, that punishment may still be in the cards for you and I. That even though God loves us, even though he may forgive us for our falls, that does not mean we will escape the consequences of the choices that was made in the fall. That God still loves us and he will forgive you, but that may not spare you the consequences. If you decided to go a course of action that goes against God's will, he may forgive you and restore you, but there still may be a part where you have to suffer. There may be a Babylon, so to speak, that comes along with the forgiveness. But the point for th- but the, for this first point <laughs> is that our falls don't take God out of the equation where he can't do what his plans were for us. That he still has plans for our lives and his plans are not deterred because of our falls. Because let's be honest, when you and I make plans for things, if something goes awry, it can throw a big monkey wrench and sometimes it wrecks the whole plan. Some unforeseen circumstance, it could be a financial issue. It could be something that happens in your health, on the job or something else, something personal that whatever your plans were, something goes amiss and now your plan is deterred. And now your plan may not even come to fruition because something happened and it may not even be your fault. But in this case, our falls don't deter God. That even though, again, using the example of Jeremiah, the nation of Israel was punished justfully so for their sins. But despite that, look at the forgiveness of God. He says, but after the seven years, he said, I will come and do for you all the things I have promised. So even though Israel had fallen short, God still came through with his promise, his plans. And that's good news for you and I. So even though we fall and even though we stray, it doesn't deter God and his plans for our lives. The next thing we should realize when it comes to the forgiveness of God is that our falls don't surprise God. Now, that's something that you would probably think is a no brainer, because if God is who he is, he's omniscient. He knows everything. It's not like, you know, nothing happens outside of his scope of view or scope of influence. So he knows everything. But our perspective is sometimes that when we fall, we act as if God is sitting there just totally taken aback. Like, man, I didn't see that one coming. (laughs) You know, as if he didn't see 
the sin. He didn't see the lie. He didn't see the deceit that was in us. Because remember, the scripture makes it clear that sin does not just happen haphazardly. There's a, a development. First, it becomes a desire, and then it's birthed into a temptation, comes desire, and then it becomes an act. So it all comes through a process, and God is witnessing it through the whole way. So when we mess up, when we fall, God is never caught off guard. He is already aware. When Jesus was on the cross, he knew he was dying for people who were sinners. He knew that when he died on the cross over 2,000 years ago, he was dying for people like you and I in 2021. He knew we would be sinners before we would even receive him. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So again, he knew we were sinners when he chose to come down and die for us. Let me give you a scripture. This one is a really uh, interesting scripture. So Matthew chapter 26, starting at verse 31. It says, on the way, Jesus told them, tonight, all of you would desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples filed the same. Now, those who have been Christians for quite a while are familiar with the story of Peter denying Christ. But what's interesting is a couple of things stood out to me in the scripture. First, I love the fact that Jesus quotes an Old Testament scripture. He quotes actually Zechariah 13, which always is a good little nugget for those who are new to Christianity. Because it lets us see that Jesus is all through the Bible, not just in the New Testament. But he also says Peter gets a bad rap for being the vocal one that says, no, I'm not going to deny you. I'm going to be there with you the whole time. But if you look at verse 35, it says all the disciples said the same thing. Now, look at what Jesus is doing. He's, he made it clear that this is right before he was arrested, before he was crucified. And he's made it clear. All the disciples are going to leave him. They're going to stray. They're going to flee from him. And all of them said the same thing. No, we're going to stay with you. You're the one who has the keys to, to life, and we're not going to leave you. But, of course, if you know the rest of what happens later, he gets arrested, and all of them did flee. And Peter actually did deny Jesus three times. So when Jesus was making this clear, he knew that the disciples were going to fall. He knew they were going to flee. And look at it from this perspective. Jesus knew they were going to flee even before he chose them. He chose the disciples, including Judas, the betrayer, knowing what they would do before they did. So he had to be keenly aware of the fact that these 12 disciples who we know ended up shaking the entire world and becoming apostles for the for the, the crusade for Christ would ultimately fail him and would ultimately fall. So it was not as if Jesus was surprised. So God is never surprised when we fall. But I like this part. So we just read the Matthew 26. Now let's go to Mark chapter 16. 
verse 6 and 7. Now, this is the awesome part of the forgiveness of God. Because not only was Jesus not surprised by what Peter did, look at how Jesus shows his forgiveness. Mark chapter 16, verse 6. Now, this is when the women had went to the tomb and they saw that the stone had been rolled away and Jesus had already resurrected. So this is the angel when the women had approached the tomb. He says, verse six, this is the angel talking. Do not be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But verse seven is is powerful. But go. Tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. You see that? Look at how wonderful Jesus is. He knew how much anguish and sorrow Peter was being so vocal that he was going to stay with the Lord. And he was the one that denied him three times. And here it is. Jesus says, I want to restore him. I want him to know that I do forgive him, that I still view him highly, that I still love him. Because he made a point of emphasis to tell the angel, to tell the ladies, go tell the disciples and Peter. And I believe that somewhere in heaven, God is having that same conversation about you and I. That when we've strayed, when we fall God is not surprised and he goes through the extraordinary lengths to let us know that, hey, forgive Kevin. Go tell Kevin that I'm still, I still love him. And that's the wonderful thing about the forgiveness of God and why we in turn need to be just as forgiving to others as God is to us. Because God is so amazing in his forgiveness. Look at this example of Peter. The one who had been with him, the one of his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, one of the three in his inner circle, one of the most closest disciples to him, denied him publicly three times. And Jesus made it clear. He made a point of emphasis to seek him out and tell him that he's restored. I'm going to see him again. That's amazing when you think of the forgiveness of God. And how dare you and I hold back? or withhold forgiveness for someone else when God doesn't do the same for you and I. Last point for this week's episode. So the forgiveness of God is so amazing because our falls don't deter God. Our falls don't surprise God. But finally, our falls don't change God. This is so amazing because God's personality, God's way of thinking, God's love, his grace, and his mercy does not get affected by our mess. And that shows you how different and how vastly, enormously greater his forgiveness is over ours, because it does not change his character. You and I have had moments where people have treated us in a way where we've acted outside of our character. And if someone was to meet us for the first time, During that time we were out of character, they would have a totally different viewpoint of how they view us. They would look at us totally differently. They would be like, that person's a Christian. They weren't acting like a Christian when I saw. But when we fall, that doesn't change who God is. And we need to have the same mindset. And if we're going to need his help, obviously, to do so. But when it comes to us as Christians, going into a world that is anti-Christian, 
going to a world that will have animus, going into a world that will be hostile to our thought processes, to our faith, is going to view us as closed-minded and as bigoted and all these other negative connotations. We can't let that change our character. We can't let the consequences of how people view our faith change the way we live out our faith. If you and I are truly Christians, if we truly have the Spirit of God living in us, that our falls not only are not going to change how we approach God, but other people's falls are not going to change how we approach them. Here's a scripture. Luke chapter 15, verse 18 and 20. Now, to set this up, this is a story of the prodigal son. And this is the story that Jesus gives about a son who was extremely wasteful and disrespectful to his father, who pretty much got his inheritance for his father, disrespected his father, went out and wasted his money on prostitutes and just totally wasted his money. And he realized that his father's home was where he needed to be. And he said, I'm going to go back home and just kind of, you know, eat some crow and just realize and take my lumps and say, you know what? I should have never left home. I should have never disrespected my father. I'm going to go back home. And I know I'm not in a position to to be reestablished as a son. I'll just be a hired worker for my father because I've disrespected him so badly. So we're talking now, if we pick up the story on Luke chapter 15, is when the son has now squandered his money and now realizes he needs to go back home and to apologize for the way he treated his father. So Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 18, this is the son talking. He says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But this is the part that's so amazing. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Wow. Look at how drastically different that forgiveness is. Here is the son who, if we're going to talk about it from a cultural perspective, the story says the son asked the father for his inheritance, his share of the inheritance, while his father was still alive. Now, in that context, that was basically telling the father, I wish you were dead so I could have your money. So during that culture, the father could have had the son stoned to death for the disrespect. But the father went ahead and gave the son his money, let him disrespect him, went off, spent the money wildly and loosely and foolishly, and now has the audacity to come back to the father and say, please forgive me. Now, in this culture, the father should have had a more stoic way of approaching it and standing there and let the son grovel at his feet. So for the father in this Jewish culture to run towards this wayward, wasteful son was totally against the cultural norm. But look at what this is showing us, that when it comes to us, God is not concerned about how it looks to the world. God is not concerned about the public perception, that his love and his forgiveness for us so wonderful and that he is not just going to receive us with forgiveness. He's going to run towards us to give us forgiveness. Wow. 
Look at how amazing of a picture that is. And if you read the story further, when he ran to the son and hugged him, the Bible says they had a party in his name. And the Bible says the father had given him a new robe and put new sandals on his feet and put a new ring on his finger. So not only was he, and this is an excellent part of the story, not only was he forgiven, he was restored back to his original place in the family. Do we see how powerful that is? That's the same kind of forgiveness that God gives us, that when we fall and we feel like we can't even stand to even be in God's presence, we don't deserve to even say the word God, that he says, no, I'm not only going to run to you, I'm going to throw my arms around you and restore you back to where you were before you decided to stray from me. The forgiveness of God is a one-sided deal in the sense that, remember, we've offended him. We're the ones that should be running to him, and he's coming to us. He's got his arms open to us. He's saying, come back to me. Let me give you rest. Let me restore you back to where you were. I love you that much. So this prodigal son, again, is Luke chapter 15. I definitely encourage you to read it. It's such an awesome portrayal of the awesome forgiveness of God. So as we think about the wonderful things that God does for us from a physical perspective, how he keeps us alive, how he gives us life, health, and strength, the Bible says he gives us the ability to obtain wealth. Let us not lose sight of the awesomeness of the forgiveness of God, because it's a certainty that we will fall. It's a certainty we will stray. But when we stray, And when we fall, that our falls don't deter God, they don't surprise God, and they don't change God. As the scripture says, his mercy endures forever. And thankfully, his forgiveness is always available. Not because we deserve it, but just because he's that good. I thank you so much for listening as always, and I pray that this episode blessed you. And until next time, make sure your light shines brightest for the Lord Jesus Christ beyond the benediction.